Hey, 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 happy Diwali, people. I hope you've all had a fantastic festive season. I surely had one. And hence, uh, the little delay in getting down to this new episode of the DCEM project. Uh, moving on to some academia. Uh, suppose you have a hypothetical patient who has come in with cough and shortness of breath uh, for about two or three days. You see that he or she has a pneumonia with some septic shock. You know, uh, the patient had come in hypoxic, but is responding well to oxygen. ECGs are normal. And since the patient had some dyspnea, you get a cardiac panel done, which comes out positive. You know, your drops come out positive. Now what? The ED physician and the pulmonology want to send the patient to the cardio unit since the drops are positive, while the cardio doesn't want the patient. How many of you have noticed others or yourselves practicing calling the cardiologist at the slightest signs of a raised troponin? I have seen many, and it is one of my pet peeves. Now, now we all know that measuring tropi is an essential component of the diagnostic workup of an acute coronary syndrome. But first, let me get into what exactly are cardiac troponins. The troponin complex basically consists of three subunits, trop C, trop I, and trop T. And these are located on the myofibrillar thin filament of the striated muscles, skeletal and cardiac, right? And the cardiac isoforms, uh, troponin T and I, are only expressed in the cardiac muscles. So hence, you know, cardiac trop T and I are way more specific than CPK values, which is creatine kinase, for myocardial injury. And because of their high sensitivity, they may even be elevated when CKMB concentrations are not. So the cardiac troponins, you know, are found as structural bound proteins, and uh, they're present as a small free pool that exist in the cytosol, which is about 6-8% to for tropties and 3.5% for tropies. Now, following any myocardial damage, these cardiac troponins, they uh, egress and exit rapidly from the myocyte and appear in the blood after 2-4 to four hours. We all know that. And they persist long enough, like, you know, almost up to 10-21 to 21 days for a convenient diagnosis. Now, furthermore, if you look into it, the detection of cardiac troponins with immunoassays uh, is really easy these days and it's, it's inexpensive and the results are readily available, you know, bedside, making them ideal biomarkers for all the emergency medicine departments and facilities across the world. But because of the advent and the introduction of the highly sensitive tropies, I believe most people are abusing these trops. Uh, you know, a study in the Brigham and Women's Hospital Clinical Labs in early 2007 the standard tropi test was replaced by the more sensitive uh, tropi ultra assay. Now, this resulted in a doubling of the positive cardiac troponin results in all the samples collected in the emergency departments, even though, note this, even though there was no change in the frequency of the final diagnosis of an acute coronary syndrome. Now, in 2007, the National Academy of Clinical Biochemistry issued a guideline, and I quote, in the presence of a clinical history suggestive of an acute coronary syndrome, the following is considered indicative of myocardial necrosis consistent with myocardial infarction. Maximum concentration of cardiac troponin exceeding the 99th percentile of values with optimal precision defined by total coefficient of variation of 10% for a reference control group on at least one occasion during the first 24 hours after the clinical event. Now, the use of the 99th percentile cutoff for cardiac troponin positivity does not imply that 1% of the population suffers from myocardial damage. This is rather a cutoff, which is useful only when applied to patients with 
a high pretest probability of ACS. So, you know, uh, get your scores out, get your Timmy scores, get your heart scores out, check out the pretest probability of an ACS. The clinician must interpret the cardiac troponin results, you know, in the context of the clinical history, ECG findings, possible cardiac imaging to establish the correct diagnosis. You know, don't just jump on a patient uh, with a, a positive tropi to be having uh, NMI or an ACS. You know, positive troponin in the setting of a low pretest probability of ACS may be suggestive, but clearly is not indicative of a coronary event. This is where the problem lies. You know, the pressure to avoid malpractice litigation forces many clinicians to order comprehensive panels of lab tests, including TROPS, for patients with a very low pretest probability of ACS. And this adversely affects the positive predictive value of uh, cardiac troponins for diagnosing MIs. Now, even when the patient may not have signs or symptoms suggestive of an ACS, the panels are sent and they come out positive due to their high sensitivity. And then the dilemma begins. Should we get more cardiac scans done? Should we take the patient to the cath lab? Should we push the patient to cardiology, who obviously would not be willing to intervene in such patients? Who are these patients who do not have ACS and yet have a high tropi? This is where clinical acumen, judgments, and decision-making come into play as an emergency physician. You know, you want to give the right patient to the right speciality. Now, there are multiple causes of elevated drops. Uh, uh, way back, uh, a few years back, uh, Thigerson and his team grouped these conditions into three major categories, you know. Myocardial damage due to myocardial ischemia, that's very clear. The second group is myocardial damage due to non-ischemic causes. And the third group is idiopathic myocardial injuries. Now, in the setting of a non-coronary myocardial ischemia, some of the common causes um, uh, which raise your tropies are sepsis and septic shock, hypoxia, hypoperfusion, and even pulmonary embolism. Now, many studies have shown the correlation of elevated drops and the severity of sepsis and found it to correlate with the degree of hypotension and the Apache 2 scores. Many authors have hypothesized that severe sepsis may induce the release of myocardial depressive factors that lead to the breakdown of larger free drops to smaller, low-molecular weight fragments, and which, through you know, increased permeability, make their way into the systemic circulation. So you, know, you have a lot of septic uh, and septic shock patients, sepsis patients, who have raised drops. I'm pretty sure you've, you've all seen that uh, in your patients. And this is the reason why they are elevated in uh, sepsis and septic shock patients. Now, in pulmonary embolism, Elevated drops usually have uh, a worse prognosis. Uh, a meta-analysis was done of multiple PEs uh, where patients with elevated drops had greater than five times the mortality of those with normal tropi levels. Now, the mechanism behind this uh, release of troponins uh, in uh, the subset of patients is thought to be related to the right ventricular dilatation and the strain that you get uh, from increased pulmonary artery resistance, right? So you have RA and RV dilatation, uh, which can lead to leakage of tropis into the systemic circulation. And then there are um, a, a plethora of other diagnoses which can lead to elevated tropies. You know, they include aortic dissection, pulmonary embolism that I've already spoken about, arrhythmias, ARDS, heart failures, endocarditis, myocarditis, pericarditis, severe sepsis and septic shock, like I mentioned before, left ventricular hypertrophy, TTPs, stress cardiomyopathy, severe GI bleeding, blunt traumas and contusions, cardiac surgery, angioplasty, ablations, cardioversions, ischemic or hemorrhagic strokes, CPRs, 
severe head traumas, rhabdomyolysis, chronic kidney disease, extensive burns, strenuous exercises, toxins like cocaine, cardiotoxic chemotherapy, cyanide intoxication, carbon monoxide poisonings, amphetamines, scorpion bites, snake bites, jellyfish venom, all of these can lead to elevated tropies. Now in pericarditis and myocarditis, there's direct injury to the myocytes that release the drops. Aortic dissection, when uh, it involves the coronaries, release troponins. In heart failure patients, there is a global wall stretch, which leads to a degradation of the contractile protein and cellular injury uh, due to the oxidative stress and the neurohumoral factors, which leads to the raised troponins. In acute heart failure, there's a global wall stretch, hypoxemia, systemic hypoperfusion, coronary malperfusion, which leads to high drops. What about ESRD? You know, why do drops increase in ESRD? There are many theories for this. Uh, that have been through, but you know there there are no conclusive evidences. You know, uh, first is that there could be a re-expression of cardiac troponins in uh, uremic myopathic skeletal muscle. So this was assumed a uh, long time back. Uh, secondly, there could be reduced renal clearance of cardiac troponins in ESRD patients. Uh, this was widely believed to contribute to elevated drops in uh, the CKD patients that you see. Uh, uh, in addition, uh, the drop increased drop values can also be caused by concomitant comorbidities, you know, uh, associated with uh, high T, uh, high uh, troponin release, like severe uh, heart failures, left ventricular hypertrophy, subendocardial ischemia, or renal anemia. Uh, but recent evidences also suggest that drop eyes uh, fragmented into pieces of 8 to 25 uh, KDs. Uh, KDs basically kilo uh, Dalton, those who are not aware, one kilo Dalton is about 1,000 Daltons, and uh, a Dalton is a measure of weight of hydrogen uh, atoms. So these 8 to 25 uh, kilodalton uh, tropies are normally released in very small quantities in the blood and are sufficiently small enough to be cleared by the healthy kidney. In patients with ESRD or CKD stage 5, these microfragments cannot be cleared from the blood and are detectable by the latest immunoassays. You know, an astute emergency physician, uh, for, for them, it is imperative uh, to remember that not all raised drops are, an, are a myocardial infarction. The usefulness of troponin largely depends on the quality of the clinical judgment and the level of clinical probability. And now in patients with high probability of ACS, absence of a significant lesion does not contradict the presence of an unstable plaque. In patients with low or intermediate probability of an ACS, other differential diagnosis should be considered, like in the hypothetical case that we started off with, the patient has a pneumonia as in severe sepsis and septic shock. That is the reason for the raised tropies. You know, so you know, uh, do your own research. Don't don't just follow me uh, blindly. Uh, go through uh, the literature that I've uh, put in uh, in the text uh, to learn more about the reasons for tropine. Don't just go blindly calling uh, uh, cardiologists for every uh, little uh, raise in uh, tropies. You know, earn some respect for yourself. I'm pretty sure you all do. Uh, but uh, you know, if, I mean, if you if you stay focused and uh, you actually use. Uh, your clinical judgments uh, that will be better for you and for the patient and you don't go around wasting resources uh, that's it for today you know soon i'll be having a guest on my show uh, uh, to talk about the mystical world of uh, psychoanalysis so stay tuned for that <laughs>